That's why I created a system in here um, that kind of takes emotions as much as we can out of the circumstance because uh, when we try to manage money based on our emotions, we really leave ourselves open to something that's very inconsistent and fleeting and constantly changing and, and very easily influenced by the outside world. Welcome to Getting Money Right, a show dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom through education and inspiration so you can be free to pursue your true life's purpose. We're your hosts, David Thompson and Leo Sabo, and I'm excited that in this episode, we get to continue a conversation with licensed professional counselor. Uh, he's also a supervisor, Russell Baxter. So Russell's in studio with us tonight, and Russell, we got to interview you a couple months ago in episode 32 and 33, and then we did an interview a little while ago on part one of this, going through the book, you finish the book, sharing your heart, sharing your treasure. And I'm so excited. I've got my copy here in the studio and we're kind of going through that process. Mm -hmm. So Russell, tell us a little bit more. We kind of finished off last time on the different types of homes, uh, but we we're just getting to that place where we we're talking about not shaming your partner and then dealing with the anxiety, the panic, the fear, the worry that can come up around finances. Right. So give us a little bit of intro into that. Well, uh, I, I talk a lot about emotions in the book. Um, in fact, there's probably about three or four full chapters committed strictly to um, different types of emotions. And I break them up into three different categories, uh, anxiety, shame, and sadness. And these are the three main negative emotions that I've experienced or seen connected with money. And so I break each one of those up into three subcategories. And so I'll just do a brief overview of the shame section. And with the shame section, we break that up into three sections, uh, inadequacy, failure, and conviction. And so we kind of talk a little bit about how each person might relate to money in a different way, um, but if we can't communicate to our spouse with uh, really adequate words and good language, then we, we're not telling them anything. So you know, when you manage money that way, it's really annoying is not a helpful statement. No. It does not actually educate your spouse on your position. It just tells them that they're kind of like a gnat in your ear. And I, and I don't know about you guys, but I, I don't like the idea of being annoying to my spouse. It does not make me more teachable or open <laughs> no. to what they have to say. It just makes me feel like I'm a bother. Uh, but if they were to say, you know, when you spend impulsively, it makes me afraid that we aren't going to be able to pay my bill, pay the bills. Well, now I can actually connect with you, and now I understand how my actions impact you. And so, for instance, there are a lot of people out there that feel uh, inadequate about their ability to provide at home. You know, if they're struggling, they feel a lot of shame, and especially in men when we're, we're, we're tasked with being providers in the home. That can be a very daunting task, and when we feel like we're constantly struggling uh, or we're constantly not able to provide everything that our kids want or need, then we might feel inadequate. That tends to manifest at, with either defensiveness or anger or you know being rebellious or acting out. And it, because we're, what we're really saying is, I, I don't feel like I'm good enough. Um, and I don't like the way I feel, and you're making me feel this way. Right, right. <laughs> and uh, so I'm going to be mad at you. And uh, and it, it doesn't actually communicate anything. And, and a lot of people, this is the real reason I wrote this, is because a lot of people don't actually even know that they're feeling these way, this way. That's why I wrote so many personal stories and anecdotes to kind of illustrate how, um, how maybe I felt 
with failure and money. You know, um, you wake up one day and you feel like you failed as an adult. There are so many people in their 30s and 40s who feel like they're failing as adults, 50s and 60s too, right? Yeah. Um, and where they just feel like I should be at a certain place by now. Yeah. Yeah, we, we see that all the time, actually, especially for older people, because we've had them in classes and in workshops that we've done, and that's somewhat of a common statement. I wish I would have learned this stuff, or I wish I would have you know, avoided the mistakes, and, and there's always regret, there's always shame, uh, and they feel inadequate. And to the degree sometimes that I, we see people drop out early in the process because they feel like they can't win. You know, it's, it's, there's so much emotional baggage that comes along with financial choices. And one of the things you mentioned in the book, how parents today feel inadequate about not giving their kids everything or putting them into mm-hmm. sports and all those things. And all those things cost money. Yeah. And there's this pressure to uh, to provide and to, to do everything that everybody else is doing. And it's unfortunate because there's enough of a challenge, I think, between a, a husband and a wife to communicate about finances because life is challenging at times, especially when it comes around finances. It's more so when you're not aware of the pressures on the outside and each spouse will feel that differently. The man might feel one way or another. The wife might feel different about it. And not communicating that only intensifies the problem. Right. And more than likely, you end up having the wrong kind of communication. You're fighting. You're not really realizing that the fight is not really about money. It's about how you feel about this pressure that's coming from outside or inside. Exactly. And so such an important thing to touch on because we don't just make financial decisions. No. We make decisions that are deeply emotional. Mm-hmm. And finance is just, it's just that trigger that can either bring us to a place where we can communicate with our spouse in a healthy way right. and, and, and form that team and really bond with, the, with our teammate or the opposite. You know, it can send us to, the, you know, to our own corner, so to speak. Right. Well, and, when, and I recognize fully the struggle there is to not make financial decisions with emotions. Mm. That's why I created a system in here um, that kind of takes emotions as much as we can out of the circumstance. Because uh, when we try to manage money based on our emotions, we really leave ourselves open to something that's very inconsistent and fleeting and constantly changing and, and very easily influenced by the outside world. Um, and that's why we need principles and different things like that. Yeah. Well, I think that's a perfect tie-in to the triangle in the book. And and what do we base our lives on? So if we're not going to let the emotions and the peer pressure and shame or fear or anxiety be the thing that guides our life. What do we have guide our life? And so I love what you did here in the book. And I said triangle, it's a pyramid. <laughs> but it is shaped it like a triangle as well. So so in on this pyramid, uh, you've got to lay a foundation and build your way up. So Russell, take us through the process that you would serve someone with and share with them to help them build the proper foundation and an action step plan to walk them through so they don't just make decisions based on emotion. Well, these are not just... Um, or foundations for just finances. I mean, we start that and we use finances as a tool, but as a couple really works through these steps, they're going to see how it translates into pretty much every area of their life and, uh, and why it's important. So first, we start out with principles. I mean, you cannot function with money if you don't know what you believe about money. And so many people, the only thing that they believe about money is that they like having it. 
<laughs> and that's really uh, they don't really understand you know what's important to them or what what's not important to them and so i broke it up into four different sections and because some people are like oh what are some principles i should have about money and yeah uh, because it's you know not it's some for, for some people it's a foreign concept and that's okay um but the first one we talk about debt you know is debt okay should i have debt you know and for some people, they may not be diehard Dave Ramsey people, and they think, well, okay, I can have some debt. And I have some friends, for instance, who are uh, – they have a risk tolerance that is considerably higher than mine. And, they, <laughs> and they're okay, and they make money, and they do well for themselves. And that's, and and that's their decision. That's Like I said before uh, in the last episode, they're making decisions for, for their family. And so for some people, they're okay with some certain level of risk. Um, I mean, I, I kind of passively advocate for debt-free living in here because I think it's one of the best ways to do it. Um, but I also make sure that people know, I mean, at the end of the day, um, you need to make your own decisions and don't just listen to me. Look at the outcomes. If you want a certain outcome, then there are certain techniques of managing money that are going to be more effective to bringing about those outcomes. So we look at the debt uh, and then second, we look at savings. And I said savings really isn't negotiable. It's, it's about how much we should be saving. And I talk about you know, the different types of saving for retirement and for kids' college and for like a, even a wedding. You know, How much do you want to save and if it's important? I mean, some of those things are important, and it's okay. Like, there's nothing that says you have to pay for your kids' college. There's plenty of people that survived – without having their parents pay for their college tuition. If you can't afford it, then that's okay. I would rather people be investing into their retirement and into emergency funds uh, than fretting about paying for their kids' college. The third thing is family, and this is kind of where it gets a little messy because we have to ask the question, what is my family's relationship to my money? And we have to really clearly define that. And we and I break it up into two sections. We have extended family, um, parents, aunts, uncles, cousins, all things like that, and then your kids. What should my adult children's relationship be with my money? And how long should I continue to support them? How long should I continue to let them live in my home? What kind of boundaries should we set with that if we're going to do that? Um, because it's becoming more and more common. I mean, the average uh, is growing now to 26 years old. I mean, some people are staying in their parents' home. Um, all the way up to 30. And, you know, for some people, they're they're like, I would love to be able to bless my kid because I see that they're saving for their own home. I had a friend who lived at her parents' house for years so she could save up money to just completely outright buy her own home. And she saved up enough cash to be able to do that. And her parents were like, we'd love to be able to bless her that way so she could do that. Well, that's great, you know. Uh, so we need to talk about family. Should we borrow money from family? Should we loan money to family? These are really important, pivotal questions, too. Um, you know, one of the biblical verses that really influences me is the borrower is slave to the lender, right? I don't want to have that kind of relationship in my family. Yeah, I, I never want to have to have that relationship. So uh, the last one is generosity. What do we believe about giving money? Um, and for people of the Christian faith, you know, the, tithing is a must. It ha It's not because necessarily your church needs your money but because it's important for your character and because god wants to teach us how to give and to think outside of ourselves and to not just think about consuming mm -hmm. um, but think about how we can bless other people i love what robert moore said that um, 
about blessed life is about blessing other people. And I'm, I completely agree with that um, because we got to get outside of ourselves somehow. That's where we find true meaning, right? Mm-hmm. And so we have to agree on that, though. I mean, you, it's very hard. I, I, I would consider myself one of the rare cases where you can drag somebody into generosity. <laughs> you know, we need to like <laughs> yeah. really, you, you need to be able to show them the reason why it's important to you and where, where your passions are. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I can remember uh, when Ashley and I first got married. We went away and did a vision retreat to work through a lot of these things for ourselves. Uh, what are the boundaries that we're going to have with family? What what are the principles that we're going to guide our life on? And for us, it's biblical principles. So we're taking a lot of our foundation from the Bible. Uh, and then, you know, what are the goals that we have for our family? What are the actions and the plans that it's going to take to get there? And And we set savings goals. And we set debt reduction goals and we put things in place and we dreamt of the future. And we, we spent two full days answering questions on what are our core values? What's the foundation of our marriage? What, what are non-negotiables? What are things that, Hey, we're never going to let this happen because we care about our marriage. So we're never going to find ourselves in this place. We're never going to do this. I mean, the things setting those healthy boundaries early on and then walking through setting up plans to be able to be successful over time. So I love that you walk people through that in the book and debt savings, family in general generosity are such huge categories and that impacts, you know, your life and generations down the road. And if you get it right early on, it makes it so much easier over time. Yeah. Well, and when you realize that, you know, spending money isn't necessarily a bad thing. I, I, I don't think that you buying things for yourself or for your family is a bad thing. Doing it just based on instinct and impulse is a bad thing. And you know, I would like us to look at these principles that we just dis- uh, discussed are going to lay a foundation for me in the future where every time I come across a situation, I'm going to go back and I'm going to say, well, what did we already say that we believed about this? Um, if a family member comes to me with an emergency and they say, hey, we really need some money. I know you have some. <laughs> Can yeah. I have some? Yeah. Uh, you know, what what are we going to do about that situation? And for me, uh, I'm not going to loan them money. If I, if, I, if I see that they're in a situation and I, I'm going to give them money, but I'm also going to give them my input because if you get my money, you get my input. Yeah, <laughs> and that's a principle that we've discussed. I mean, we have that established in our home yeah. that if somebody wants our resources and our time, then they're going to get our input. Yeah, and, I love that. Um, my wife and I had exactly the same type of conversations about giving. We said, if so-and-so comes and they ask for money, what do we do? How do we how do we react to that? Mm-hmm. And it goes back to the emotional. If we don't talk about it ahead of time, mm-hmm. then it's an emotional discussion. Mm-hmm. It's not a hey, we've we've talked about this and we settled this. Yeah. When we weren't emotional, we were just just talking through it and trying to come up with a good answer. Right. But if in the moment you've not talked about it, in the moment you're trying to come up with a good answer, the chance of you not being emotional is very, very small. Right. And the chances are then it's going to go in the wrong direction. You might even make the wrong decision. Or you might make the right decision, but unfortunately it's not something that's going to actually be right for the person because you really haven't thought all the way through it. Mm-hmm. Well, they need our money. Here we go. Yeah. And whether they become a slave to you because now they owe you money or they're not going to listen to your advice, all those things are so crucial. Right. Because 
you have literally sat down and talked through it. So that's the principles you talked about. That's that's definitely the foundation that everything else stands on. So what's next in the uh, pyramid? Well, the next thing is we take something that's really important to us based on the principles, and then we create a goal for that. So in the book, I use the example of uh, working towards a paid-for home. Right now, that may be not may not be something that everybody can connect with, but one that most people could connect with would be uh, if we want to get out of consumer debt. Okay, awesome. Well, that's a goal that we want to establish. With the goals, we actually set timelines and we say, you know, I want to be debt free by, you know, in a year mm-hmm. or two years. Right. Um, because it's important to us. We want to have, we don't want to owe any money to anybody and we want to be completely financially independent. Uh, and so we set timelines and we set quantities. You can't set goals, for instance, by saying, I want to save more. That doesn't really tell you anything. It's very subjective. It's very uh, open to interpretation. And so I want to say, I want to, you know, like, I like what Dave Ramsey says, three to six months of expenses is a nice quantifiable amount. And so like, if, I, if my goal is I want to be debt-free in two years, then I need to look at that and say, okay, if I have $24,000 in debt, well, then I'm going to have to pay $12,000 a year, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, can we afford to do that? And we have to look at the numbers. And this is one thing I love about finances is that it's all about numbers, which aren't subjective. They aren't open to interpretation. They either are or they aren't. And so I have to look at my ability to pay for that. And if I have $12,000 or I could have have $12,000 if I sacrificed a few things, well, then it's possible. Mm-hmm. And so then I need to say, okay, in order for me to... I make it even more specific. In order for me to be debt-free in two years and pay off $24,000, then I need to pay an extra $1,000 a month towards debt. And that way I have something measurable. And for me, as an instant gratification person, I have to know that this is going to work. And so I know mathematically if I pay $1,000 a month for the next 24 months, I will be debt-free. Right. Barring that I don't get any more debt, <laughs> right? <That's hopeful. laughs> you know, yeah. that's that's uh, that's really the caveat there. Uh, and so, after we get the plan and we say, okay, this is just one example. It's good to have more than one plan. Obviously, you know, we're gonna have savings goals um, and different things like that. But I want to focus on this. Uh, the next thing would be creating the budget. We want to create a budget based off of everything we just talked about. Most people would go into it and they just kind of willy-nilly create categories. Oh, this is how much we probably should spend here and all these different things. But you really are looking to set your budget up to create margin or extra money, right? Where uh, I need an extra $1,000 a month now. Right. So where am I going to find that? And so I have to form my budget around that number. And so if that means I have to eat out less, if that means I can't, I got to give up Amazon Prime and Netflix and all those subscriptions that equal probably $100, um, or if I got to give up Starbucks or I got to give up, you know, a gym membership or I got to, you know, in order to find that extra $1,000, then I'm willing to cut, right? I'm willing to sacrifice. And so we take that number and we actually build a practical budget. Now in the book, I don't go into the nitty gritty of creating a budget. I talk about a transaction ledger and I talk about your categories and the importance of both of those, um, especially with behavioral modification and changing our habits. Um, But there's just so many different ways to do it. So many different coaches, so many different apps and softwares and um, that I would rather you be comfortable with budgeting than try to do it my way. You know, um, 
people get uncomfortable looking at our spreadsheet, but it's second nature for us, you know. And so I'd rather people find their own way and do their own research. Um, if they want to read Dave Ramsey, if they want to read somebody else, that's great. Uh, I would rather them do that and find their own way. Uh, and then the last thing would be follow through, action. Uh, and the important three things that we have to have with action is that we need to first have accountability. If you are not open to accountability in this relationship, you're going to have a hard time. You're going to have a hard time changing, period. We aren't really designed to change alone. It just doesn't work. We find a way we get, because we're creatures of habit. We get stuck in routines. We like the familiar and the comfort uh, and the, the normal for us. And so in order for us to really experience dramatic life change, we need somebody in our life who's willing to hold us accountable. And that means, uh, for instance, I was actually able to hold my wife accountable to, to actually make sure she spent money, right, and enjoyed it and then did something with it for herself, right? Uh, I think we got some inheritance money probably uh, 18 months ago, and she still has some of it. Right. So I'm still like trying to get her like, hey, you need to go do something with it. And we're not talking large quantities of cash here. This is very small, but she's still holding on to it for something for something that might come up. And so I hold her accountable that way, you know. Um, And then the second thing was flexibility. We need to be flexible. And this is more for those spreadsheet loving people that like we have to do this, this and this. It we have to create an atmosphere that is more uh, inviting to progress than perfection. Right. We want That's people good. to feel like, I understand we're starting at ground zero, so I can't expect you to be uh, a CPA right out of the gate. I know that this is going to take some time, and we're going to have to develop. Uh, and so I'm still going to hold you accountable, but I'm going to be a little more patient because I'm not expecting you to be perfect. Right. Um, and then the third thing is consistency. Like we kind of talked about last episode about meeting regularly. Consistently do it. Even if you got to come to the table and say, I messed up, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and, and that's okay. Part it's process. part of the growth process. It's perfectly fine. In fact, that's a habit we should already have in our marriage. Right. I, I should feel comfortable coming to my wife and saying I messed up. And if I don't, we have bigger issues, right? I mean, why do I not feel safe or comfortable enough to do this in our home? And something we want to tell our kids, right? We want to teach our kids how to make mistakes and how to own them. Uh, and we do that with by example. So that's kind of the five-step process that I would kind of walk through, yeah. walk people through. I love it. I think it's so doable. You know, when you start with the principles, then you set goals, then you plan those out. You create a budget and you take consistent action. Then what's going to happen is you you've got clarity, and I think so. It's so important to have those goals because without the goals, you can talk each other out of different things that you're you know you've talked about doing. But if you didn't really set goals and you don't have that in focus, it's easy to be refocused in a different area and give up on something that's worthwhile, like getting out of debt. Or you could be more flexible and say, you know what. We'll, we'll take an extra year. Right. You know, we'll go on this vacation now. Well, when, when is it going to ever end? Because mm-hmm. something else will come up next year and the year after. And five years from now, you'll still be in debt or maybe even more in debt. Mm-hmm. So it's a I slippery love the way slope. You, yeah. yeah it's I mean, it's, I love the way you laid it out because it is very much about sitting down, nailing down these principles and understanding that you have to live on those and then carrying it through this plan. I think it's very, very well done. Well, and there's no 
timeline for this. So these are going to be messy conversations. There's Mm going to be disagreements. But the cool thing about it is that it actually forces us to learn to compromise. It forces us to communicate. Uh, It forces us to be able to open up about maybe things that we hadn't even talked about before. Uh, And it creates a structure for us to do that in a safe environment. Um, But it is going to take time. I mean, we're going to disagree. We're going to disagree because some things may be more important to us than the other person. Yeah. And we have to find a compromise. You know, if the other person is saying, um, you know, being out of debt is way more important to me. And the other person is saying, well, I think living in the moment is really important and we should ex- have right. experiences. Right. And that's a real position. I no, mean, people I mean, really right. take people, that. People are usually married. They're opposites. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> usually and, they're attracted to your opposites. That's a very Ashley is. Well, actually, Ashley and I are both. Uh, fairly similar in a lot of ways, but I, I struggle to spend and she's okay with going out and enjoying more and that's normal. And so these are, these are real life things. Right. Well, and like I even said, my wife didn't have a pro I, she didn't actually have a problem with me spending. She was longing for a structure for me to spend within. Right. And right. the fact that we didn't have a structure, uh, for me to be able to spend within made her feel really uncomfortable. Yeah. Right? And so she was tense but, um, you know, to your, back to what I was just saying about, you know, some people are going to want to live in the moment. And some people are going to want to be debt free. You know, it's important for us to be able to find that middle ground. How are some, how are some ways that we can make both of those things happen? It's not one or the other. I mean, it is important for us to live in the moment, right? And enjoy our lives. I'd hate for us to get to the point where we're 60 and we're like, man, I wish I could have saved more. You know, <laughs> I, I just don't think that that's going to happen. Uh, but I feel like we might want more experiences. So it's realizing that just because we don't agree on everything doesn't make one person's perspective more or less valid. Now, obviously, if one person's perspective is I want to spend thousands of dollars a year in interest and credit card fees, that, that's kind of dumb. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> that's got it. that one right there that one's got it done <laughs> you know well, but, so i love as you're talking through these messy conversations and creating new language and how do we communicate in these situations and you tell the story in the book about uh, a guy who is talking about his wife who is going on trips and spending and having some nice things in her life and he says i'm i'm starting to get mad at my wife because she has all these nice things and I have all this debt, and I have to pay this debt off, and, and I've got all my student loans, and my wife, her income, she can go do whatever she wants with that, and and the pronouns, mm-hmm. this idea that it's hers, and it's this is mine, this is hers, learning to shift the way we communicate on this, and and part of that foundation and those principles is, is it's us. Mm-hmm. So talk a little bit more about those pronouns and how important that is to learn the language of communication in this. Well, I don't think that I don't think there's really an understanding in our society today just the power of words, spiritually and emotionally, just the impact that they have. I mean, we have so many keyboard crusaders who, just because we don't have to look in the other person's eyes and experience the discomfort of confronting them, uh, we don't we lose our grip with the idea or the impact of what we say, and so. Our pronouns are just something I picked up on of just how much impact these small uh, words really have of mine and ours. And we talked a little bit last episode about ownership, and that's really huge because that's what pronouns are really – possessive pronouns are 
identifying who owns what is in our home, <laughs> right? And what's in our life. Yeah. And so when I, uh, when I, especially in that story that I was talking about, I, I asked that young man, I said, I thought you guys were married. And he said, well, we are. And there's this, it's a misunderstanding, even not even if you don't ascribe to any of spiritual beliefs that I have, but legally in Texas, <laughs> legally. you know, like <laughs> if we get a divorce tomorrow, half of what I have is yours. And half of what I have is mine or yours. Yeah, you know right. I mean, right. It, so we the split debt it. Up. The yeah, we split, split it. Up. Up. Yeah, right. yep. yeah. So, uh, so why are we pretending like that's not the case, hmm. right? And it doesn't make sense. And um, what it really does is it provides us with this comfort of you know it's cleaner, it's neater. I can pay my bills. But what it ends up doing, and I've seen this, and, and I, some people might say I'm being overdramatic, but I've seen it escalate to the point where people are borrowing money from their spouses and oh, saying, yeah, I've seen that. you know, you take care of your bills and I'll take care of my bills. And and I lost my job, so I'm going to be in trouble because I can't pay my part of the bills for yeah. our household. It's like, yeah. what are you talking about? Yeah. Like, this yeah. isn't just this isn't just your job and your finances mm-hmm. and your bills. This is ours. It's right? Yeah, and it's what's really cool is the comfort level when you start using the plural possessive pronouns of us and our that, you know, like when my wife succeeds and and she makes more money than me and she does really well, I succeed because it's my money too, right? It's our money. It's our success. And it doesn't mean I'm not proud of her, but I'm not intimidated. I'm not – I don't feel inadequate. I'm not challenged by it. I'm not – insecure because i know that the better she does the better we do right and it's not this situation where well if she makes more money she's gonna get to do more things than me and (laughs) and now we're gonna have to i'm gonna have to make more money so i can keep up it 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 doesn't work that way yeah you know it so well russell this has been phenomenal thank you so much for a taking the time to write the book sharing your heart sharing your treasure taking the time to come to the studio and share it with our audience Uh, i know that several people that i've talked to uh, have really benefited from episode 32 and 33 and the things that we talked about there and so i've heard so much good feedback it was one of our highest played episodes and i recommend if you're listening to this go back and listen to episode 32 and 33 where we dig apart some more pieces of marriage and finances uh, Russell, where can people go to find out more about you and more about the book? Uh, well, they can buy the book directly from Amazon. They have it on Kindle and paperback. Um, but if you would like a signed copy directly from me, you can go to www.foundationscounselingplc.com, uh, and I'd be happy to ship that to you myself. Awesome. Russell, thank you. Uh, folks, sharing your heart, sharing your treasure. We recommend this book. We recommend you take it. Uh, you read it with your loved one and implement some of these things that are in here. In fact, implement everything that's in there. It's really, really awesome, awesome content. And I think it'll help with your communication, certainly help, help with your finances more than that. It'll help with your intimacy in your marriage and just overall make you happier as a couple. And uh, who doesn't want that? And well, I actually have um, probably later this year we're working on currently developing a workbook that'll have practical exercises fill in the blanks journaling spaces stuff where we can actually uh, take the content that we have in this book and be able to go on a vision retreat or maybe able to do workshops and be able to um, give people practical steps to be able to even discover maybe their emotional connection to money or discover what kind of household they're living in and really help them find out how their relationship to money is affecting their marriage. So 
That's awesome. Something to look forward to. Yeah, definitely looking forward to that. Well, we want to thank you for joining us for this episode. If you enjoyed it, we would love for you to rate and review and subscribe to our podcast. Uh, You can do that on iTunes or on Google Play or whatever your Android device podcast is. You can also share this podcast on your favorite social media platform. And while you're there, please connect with us, uh, share our own posts, and uh, just connect with us. Let us know how we can serve you better. You can find the show notes to this episode. We'll also have a link for Russell's book in the show notes. So feel free to go there to get that. And we look forward to having you join us next time so that together we we can can keep getting getting money money right. right. going to be messy conversations there's going to be disagreements but the cool thing about it is that it actually forces us to learn to compromise it forces us to communicate uh it forces us to be able to open up about maybe things that we hadn't even talked about before Uh, and it creates a structure for us to do that in a safe environment 